to say that this wasn't easy would be an insult to understatement. The optics, the complexity. Sir, am I able to lead this mission or not? Are you sure that that's what you want? It is. Well, President Relic had quite a lot to say about this. But she does understand that Discovery is the only ship capable of reaching Mr. Booker on time. No one knows him better than you. I also reminded her that you've never let me down. Thank you, sir. Don't thank me yet. The President remains concerned that if things don't go smoothly, you might be too emotionally compromised to make the hard call. I have the same concern, so I'm going to send another officer with you. Someone who will be empowered to step in if needed and issue the necessary orders with the full backing of my authority. Welcome to Strange New Takes. I'm your host, Natch Karnig, and with me, after spending most of the last season with their species, are... Runika Spicker. And Emily Bowen-Marler. Welcome to Strange New Takes, where we're reviewing episodes in this strange new era of Star Trek. Today, we are covering the ninth episode of the fourth season of Star Trek Discovery, Rubicon. And so do follow us on social media at Strange New Takes on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, do tell your friends about the pod. Do tell your friends about us, the podcast. Um, and, you know, if you like us, give us a five-star rating. You can give us a five-star rating even if you don't quite like us. Um, but these ratings help us um, get detected on on pod, uh, on on. Um, podcast search lists, ranking lists, and that's how more people get to know about us. You know, they can they can listen to us and, um, you know, love what we say or not love it, but at least they'll get to listen to us. And as usual, make sure that you watch this episode before you listen to us. Otherwise, you're going to get spoiled. Uh, if you don't care about spoilers, that's uh, that's fine. Keep on rolling. Uh, just also know that we usually tend to spoil quite a bit of other Star Trek stuff and maybe some other non-Star Trek things as well. So ye be warned. All right. With that, as Emily mentioned earlier, we're talking about Rubicon, the ninth episode of the fourth season of Star Trek Discovery. It first aired on 17th February, 2022. It was written by Alan McElroy and directed by Andy Armaganian. Andy Armaganian, a film editor who has also uh, directed episodes of Arrow and of um, a couple of other shows that are also out there. Um, kind of new to Star Trek. Uh, first, this, this is the first episode of Star Trek that she has directed. But uh, she's also going to be directing an episode of Strange New World soon as well. So um, hmm. kudos to uh, Emily for noticing that we had a new director's name in there. <laughs> All right, uh, so the first thing we always do on these shows is get our crew's strange new take. So which of you has a strange new take for me? I'll go ahead first. Um, so yeah, I've been I've been spending um, some time with my species, as Nash called out. Um, I had, had my mom visit, and yesterday we, we saw the movie, um, the Poirot thriller, um, Death on the River Nile. That was very nice. It was it was mellow. It's a nice, you know, uh, flashback into the past. 
and I somehow felt energized after watching the movie. Um, um, and after coming back, I was like, I want to watch something else. I just don't want to go to sleep. And it was already like midnight and I'm not, I'm not a late, um, late sleeper. So I started uh, flicking through channels and I ended up watching uh, the sequel to 2001, A Space Odyssey called 2010. Um, it's not a very popular movie, but for some reason, I really, really like it uh, because of the political stuff. And uh, I've, it's one of the earliest movies I've watched. And um, it was good to see it again. Um, when I was a kid, I used to get totally creeped out by, uh, and again, a bit of a spoiler warning, but but uh, Dave Bowman showing up randomly <laughs> in, mm -hmm. in Discovery um, in his orange jumpsuit, spacesuit, and I had a few sleepless nights as a kid. <laughs> was that but it was good to see it after a few years so that's my um that's my strange new take in general and for this show um i guess we now head towards the second contact we need some lord x people to to do second contact because we've already done first contact right <laughs> yeah in a not very nice way huh <laughs> yeah oh let's see um so I am old and, but I do have a few friends from high school that I've stayed in contact with over the years. And one of them, uh, she and I have been following each other all the time over the pandemic. It's like, we talk all the time, several times a week. And I went down to go visit her in Texas a couple of months ago. And then she decided she wanted to play uh, junior detective and try to find another one of our friends who was not on social media. She tracked her down. And the three of us had a little reunion in Nashville, Tennessee this past week. It was the first time we'd all hung out in 23 years when my one friend got married. <laughs> it was super fun. It was definitely one of those friendships where you just pick up where you left off and it just feels easy and you fall back into how it was before. And yeah, so those kinds of friendships are awesome. And sometimes it's okay if you lose touch for a while because you can reconnect and it can be awesome. Um, and my strange new take for this episode is it was my favorite, my husband's favorite episode of the season. And I am still deciding. I thought it was good though, but we will see it. Probably not. will hate it and think it was the worst episode of the season. And then we'll be, you know, we'll have some good talking points. <laughs> I'll, I'll get there with my strange new take. I think, uh, first of all, I think the worst thing that exists is a city with no public transportation or poor public transportation. That's the one I live in. The second worst thing that exists is a city with great but unpredictable public transportation, <laughs> right? I mean, I was in Chicago and I set up my entire morning to get to the airport at a certain time and then find out that the trains aren't running on time. And first of all, they're all late. And then there's like a disruption towards the end of the track, which kind of not doubled, but it increased the, the time pretty substantially uh, that's required to get to the airport. And I mean, I'm in Chicago for one day. I'm not going to look up like, you know, blue line disruptions tomorrow. Like I, maybe I should, maybe I should be like looking them up every time if I'm going to the airport, but like, it's, you know, you just expect public transit to work. <laughs> and when it doesn't, it's incredibly frustrating. Anyway, um, I am with, with, with Star Trek. My, I'm, I'm just very glad that the two of you are back on the show because as much as I love talking about random crap with Adam and just laughing my head off with him every 
five seconds that we were on the podcast together alone. Um, I think the two of us are a little um, over-indexed or over-aligned on how we feel about discovery. So I'm glad uh, that I might have at least one. I doubt Rudy is going to be a dissenting voice, but at least one voice uh, that that disagrees with me on, on discovery. See, um, I feel like the, all the episodes of Discovery that Adam has hated have been episodes I have not <laughs> been on. So I feel like I must have some sort of, I can kind of pull them a little bit my direction. <laughs> I yeah, don't know. Maybe, go, go, maybe or just maybe I'm a tempering agent. You know, <laughs> I just gotta... Yeah, there you go. There you go. Well, um... or you're a temporal agent. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, let's let's jump in to discussing this episode. Here's the episode summary from Memory Alpha. Captain Burnham and the USS Discovery race to stop Book and Ron Tarka from launching a rogue uh, probe that could a uh, rogue plan that could inadvertently endanger the galaxy. Were they really racing to stop them, or racing to have long conversations with them that really didn't stop them at all? Because I think it was the, the latter. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, let's let's start from the beginning where this episode. Starts with, you know, them assembling the bomb, which, okay, fine. You know, we get the typical scene of... I, I love that the guy is, like, holding this thing really, like, gingerly. And Book is just, like, shaking the chemical into the thing. <laughs> like, shh, 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 shh. hey, be really careful as you shake that thing. It's very fragile. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, we move quickly from there to Vance briefing Burnham and introducing her to... An old friend. Did y'all have did y'all have guesses on who that would be before you? Um... I I knew it was going to be Nan because I saw an Instagram post saying yeah. like here's the oh. history of Commander Nan, and I was like, I wonder why they're posting this on a Thursday. <laughs> like, I still it's funny because I saw the little preview at the beginning of the ready room for okay yesterday's episode or Thursday's episode and even then when Vance was saying we're going to send a, an officer with you I just didn't think it was going to be non I think because I was thinking why would they send an officer that is a lower rank I so I just wasn't you know but I guess if you're there under the orders of the admiral then you get to outrank regardless of what your actual rank is I was I was struggling I was like Oh, this has to be somebody from the show before. And then I have these uh, Aditya Sahil biases, obviously. So I was like, no, really, is it? Is it? And and, and no disrespect to Nan, but I remember when, when she was written off the show, we were like, whoa, she was written off the show really quickly. And it was like not even a 0 0.10, like 0 0.01% chance that I thought she was gone for sure. And And so it was... It was a surprise. I'll give it, I'll give it that. I mean, I guess I wasn't, I feel like it, I didn't really necessarily think she was written off for good when they wrote her off, but I didn't just give it much thought, you know, but since she did go with them to the future, it did leave it open for her to be, for her to come back. But. I mean, I think. The, the the there's not been as much development of that character from going away like i didn't i didn't really feel like i mean she's she's leading special ops missions against the emerald chain cool cheers man mm -hmm. like that but we didn't find out anything really really interesting about her time on barsan like you know the thing that she actually wanted to do this like because when she left it was like this thing where it was like going to be really fulfilling she's got to help her people with the seed vault and that was like 
one sentence. It's like, oh, when my seatbelt mission was done. And it's like, yo, can we talk about the fact that you yeah. decided to be alone on a ship that had like ghosts on it? An entire family had died in that place. Maybe that meant something to you. Like, how did it feel to have when like the Emerald Chain was destroyed and the Federation reached out to you, came and was like, hey, we can save, like when, like none of that is addressed. And I, I don't know, it's this weird thing where I was happy to see her back, but it was kind of a disappointing, um, a disappointing reunion, if that makes sense. Do we feel the Kurt uh, background story indicates whether the um, the character is again going to come in for a cameo and then not stay around for long, or it or could go either way? Um, I'm I'm driven to believe that it's a cameo that because there was no depth on. Where have you been this this long, and what have you been up to? I had I had similar thoughts as Notch. Um, I felt like the seed vault job was gonna be one that, you know, is gonna be a long time, and you you don't get switched out in that like every every year or every you know every few months. So, um, yeah, they did they did hurry um, over that. But I mean, you know what? Like, I think this is very minor quibble on my point, my part at least. I think, I think you're right, Rudy. I think they're gonna keep bringing her back for little cameos here and there whenever they need like a badass Federation operative to be to come to come on the on the scene. But I think the other thing that I'll I'll say is that Vance absolutely should not have sent Burnham. Like, are we agreed on this one point? Like, Discovery was the worst ship to send, especially with Burnham and Saru at the helm. Who so, else yes. do we have though? No, okay. see, here's I was gonna say. Yes, but by the end of the episode, I was convinced that she was the right person to send. There were other things that were that went okay. wrong in that whole mission. But um, well, the one thing I wanted to touch on, I I agreed with Burnham. I felt like Saru was plenty. I think Saru would have been able to make the call. I don't think Saru's yeah. closeness to Book would have usurped his duty to Starfleet and to this. Um, well, also, Nan also didn't really do anything. Like, she, she was, she, like, she couldn't give the order either. No, <laughs> no so it no was, money, you know? yeah, so that, but I do, and I feel like we're jumping to the end, but I actually do feel like, I felt like they showed why it actually did have to be Michael, um, because I don't think anyone else could have gotten him to stop long enough to, um, to hear, like, just give us a week. Like, and I feel okay. the problem was I have no idea why the hell Ruan Tarka was free in his ship after he shot the, that blast of torpedoes at Discovery. Like there was no reason for him to have not, I mean, Book should have immediately locked him up or restrained him somehow and not given him any opportunity. I mean, I saw, I mean, I saw it coming a mile away. I'm like, he's totally going to do it. It doesn't matter yeah. what you all just agreed on, but um. Anyway, so that was the rogue element. It wasn't, I don't think it was Burnham so much as it was Tarka. But to me, I mean, this is this is the problem with the ending. Let's just let's just talk about the ending. Cause I think okay. this is this is the this is the the piece that literally is kind of the hinge pin on of the episode. Yeah, you're right that Burnham was able to talk book down, but think about it from the standpoint of like if there's someone with a rogue nuclear device out there, like regardless of who they are. If they can kill like a million people, would you necessarily want to save their life? Or would you want to save those million people's lives? Like that, that's the thing that comes that I keep coming back to is that like I like Book the character. He should be dead right now. Like th they should have sent a ship and blown him up and 
destroyed that that trilith tri what's the oh why why am i isolitic isolitic device just because um it it should have kind of it's just it's just you know uh, well it's not tactically sound yeah so there's two parts to it right in my mind there is right you you get you get very serious about this thing whoa there's like two people going rogue and there's so much at stake you know you 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 send in you send in nan and a bunch of starfleet security officers and that's what they do right or or um jojo whatever she is um mm -hmm. she's back um in in her uh, uh, spy capacity or whatnot to, to emily's point though um they they indicated enough that there was nobody knew the dynamics between tarka and and booker so there was a potential rift that could be exploited there was also the the um prototype drive that everybody needed right irrespective so there there was this hey we can like goldilocks this mission get it you know get the ideal result and therefore who is the best person to do that now the problem is going back to original conversations we'll have over many podcasts is we don't know much about the rest of starfleet to know anybody else who could do any of this right, right. so it be right. becomes very narrow right like okay if you want somebody to try and get you know a, an optimal um a result it has to be heard in some capacity so yeah and well oh go ahead you could finish sorry I, I was just I was just gonna say it so tactically, yeah, you could you could you could send in a team and and you know do it right. Um, but um, if you if you wanted to save the device, if you wanted to uh, you know get book back, um, it was it, it had to be Burnham. Yeah. Well, and I feel like that is more the Star Trek way. So the way we would do it now is we would send a team in to go just destroy them so that they didn't have the opportunity to send off the, to, to you know, set off the weapon. But um, the Star Trek way is to go in and try to find the way that that doesn't lead to loss of life, if it's at all possible. And so I feel like that was partly why they went that route. It's like recognizing yeah. that book was in a really vulnerable position of all of the people who have experienced this anomaly. He is the only person whose entire world was destroyed. Mm -hmm. So I feel like there's a certain level of compassion, recognizing that he's not um, fully, uh, he's not capable of making the best decisions right now. So if there's a way yeah. to try to get in there and um, get him to pause, which ultimately they did. And I feel like what they did last episode was ridiculous. Like how she did not uh, just arrest him, arrest them both. They were right there. Right. I feel like, I know Federation didn't have jurisdiction, but who the hell cares? Still, you beam them up to the ship and, you know. Let's, but but I, I want to break down what you just said, because the, the thing that gets me here is that either the stakes are really high or they're not. If the stakes are really high and billions of lives are at stake, then I mean, you know, that this is the way Star Trek is written. I agree with you that Star Trek is written so that we we try to, you know, you, you, it's a Kobayashi Maru, right? You, it's a, it's a no-win scenario, but Kirk always finds a way to win. Janeway always comes through at the end. Like I get it, but the the problem is that that undermines the idea that this is like actually a massive world-ending thing that i should be worrying about at that point then i'm not really worried about the dma at all mm -hmm. and that's that's the problem either you can have this be a weapon of like 
you know, killing Mass billions of people. <laughs> right, exactly. Or or you can have it be something where you can like try three times to argue with book. And like, I don't, I, you know, even the first time that they tried to like do the little infiltration thing, like I get it, like it's fine, like they talked. Um, but as you just said, Emily, they, they, they had an encounter last episode where they tried to convince and they had an encounter this episode and then they tried again and at the end. I really, I mean, at the end there, I just, I, I was kind of over it because it was like, well, is this, is this a big deal or not? And I think the, the thing with Tarka is like a clear thing, which again, I think undermines books competence, which is some another issue I have, which is like books is really cool. Like dude, who's really slick and like, knows his way out like he's been able to survive in the career world right apparently he trusts ruan tarka and doesn't like apprehend him in like programmable matter the second he sent that like photon torpedo or quantum torpedo burst and like to me that that was that was the moment where like it, it but, just but yeah don't you feel that book is also beyond a point of return in terms of self culpability towards what's happened right like he's in it with Tarka and he's not he's not built like this moral bubble around him and like hey I'm gonna I'm gonna work with this guy as, as long as we do this but it, the, there's a few things that he could do uh, that will then then you know illegitimize his his relationship with me or whatnot or his his whatever the, whatever we're trying to get to do together it's like book is trying to like do stuff on the fly right the, the, the saving the saving the assault crew uh, and Tarka was like he wasn't he wasn't crazy at that point in time right like he was like okay sure let's try and save them maybe whatever so i totally agree it it, it makes book look weak it potentially makes the DMA look weak, but the DMA was always weak, right? It, I don't think it was ever something that the, the show and the writers are trying to focus on the emotional relationships and the DMA is like something that kind of hangs around in the back, right? And I think they've made that explicit choice. It's not like they're undecided. Yeah. Um, it's it's for a lot of us who feel that, no, there has to be something meaningful that's like for a higher cause um, and you need to, you know, take hard, tough, painful emotional decisions there I, I don't think the show and the writers want to go there they they want to do the right emotional thing and they can and the dma yeah. can take a hit for it yeah i think i think that you know like emily was saying before this is this was a very star trekky thing um to do in, in that way it just i think it, it, it i don't know why it didn't click for me i guess and um to your point though rudy i think another uh, I, it has become more and more clear to me that this show is really about just emotions in general. And it really is focused on the kind of dramatic element of that rather than the kind of plot that uh, is supposed to be overriding. And it, it feels like we got that with the Culber scenes, with the scenes of, you know, people on the crew fighting with one another, the scene where Burnham and Nan like take a second in the middle of a battle to go and like have a conversation in the ready room. It is very much uh, an explicit choice to focus on these kind of drama, the, the drama of it all over kind of the um, realistic storyline or whatever. And I, I struggle with that. I've, I've mentioned several times, like these people aren't acting like what I would expect people to do in this situation. And that still sticks to me. It feels like a bunch of actors reading lines. Uh, so... 
One of the things that they've talked about, I just almost choked on my spit. So hopefully I don't have to cough in the middle of this. Hold on. Is that because he said the actors reading lines? I didn't expect that. <laughs> that was, okay. That was harsh. Okay. <laughs> so I've been watching the ready room. No, I don't think I've watched all of them, but I've watched a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the intent is that this is kind of a, um, an allegory or, or a parallel in some ways to COVID and what's happening with COVID and what the response is to COVID And so I think that's why they're having the moments of people kind of being driven apart. You have people falling on different sides as to how to handle the situation. Um, You know, do we just barrel in and, and destroy Mm -hmm. the DMA or do we try to make first contact? You know, I mean, we, we all know that there are major divisions happening right now and how we um, handle the uh, pandemic and, you know, and that's divided people. It's, it's, gotten in the way of friendships it, you know i mean there have been a whole bunch of things that's happened so i think that's partly why they've done some of this stuff and why they're focusing on that it's the dma isn't the point the point is what's happening to the people in the in the wake of it i guess um so and i, I don't know whether that's you know because i mean at first i was thinking it was trying to be a like a um climate change kind of Mm-hmm. Uh, parallel, but I I don't think anymore that that's what it is. I think it's a COVID parallel. It's this unknown thing that we don't really know what to make of it, and and we're still trying to get answers. And some people just you know anyway don't take the threat as seriously, and some take it too seriously, and then there's everything in between. And you know I don't know. See, I think that there's a compelling TV show to watch there, but Star Trek's m- not it. <laughs> No, no, no. I think I think there's a compelling Star Trek TV show to watch there. The problem is something I mentioned last week, which is, you know, we were talking about how the show wants to just be about Michael, but can't fully commit. They have to bring us other characters and they they that this show, if they wanted it to be about the reactions to the DMA, then have like four other ships go take care of the DMA stuff. And let us just deal with the human element. Mm-hmm. Let's let's have scenes on Barzan with Nan meeting her family and dealing with the news of the DMA. Let's have scenes of, like Saru talks about how Sukal has been like acting up or whatever. Let's see that. Let's see Vance struggle with his family. Let's see the governments argue in that like council room after the one like pivotal decision. Let, let's 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 focus on that side of things. But when we have Discovery trying to go and so you have this kind of action thriller element of the plot on the side as well, it it just feels like they're trying to do, to mash them both together. And for me, it's it's feeling very random sometimes with the emotions. Like when um, Reese and um, the person who Burnham puts on the con, when she walks away, the 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 blonde oh. lady. Yeah. His name I'm not forgetting. Anyway, when, yeah, when they argue initially, it's just it's it's really random. When Saru mm-hmm. mentions, "Oh, Sakal has been, uh, you know, concerned or whatever," it's it's again, it's just like I did not see that coming at all. And like I get it, but it, it's th- there could be more, I guess, established um, early on that this is something to expect rather than all of them just coming out of the blue like that, you know. Well, and I felt was also like setting up Reese to be the rogue element, like maybe Nan had it, okay, go Mm. ahead and target their ship so that if, you know, we are able to get them before they set off the weapon. And I thought maybe Reese was going to be like, no, you know what, I'm not going to, like because they were setting up this sympathy that Reese had for Book, but then they didn't do anything with it. So I did find that a little strange. Um, 
I think they're they're trying to um, you know thread the needle in in pleasing a lot of different uh, tastes and perspectives, and that's where it sometimes comes across, or a lot of times comes across as a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Um, and and we're talking about divides and differences in opinion. I just had a quick look at um, you know discovery in terms of Rotten Tomato ratings, and I'm, I follow Rotten Tomato ratings. I'm not big fan and everybody has their own rating uh, engine or some people don't like to look at ratings but if you'll go from season one through season four i'll just quickly run through this um it was critics at 82 percent audience at 50 for season one um sizable amount of uh, reviews 81 and 36 for season two so there was there was already a difference between what the critics are thinking versus you know general audience mm-hmm. um season three 91 and 40 um, and then season four, this one, it's 92 and 20, right? So you can, you can, you can clearly see that the critics are backing this season by season by season. Um, and that is for the strong emotional learning. And it's not syncing with general audience people who may want a little bit more of original track. I don't know. Um, so there is a divide there as well. And I think it's tough for the writers. Um, I, I, for example, I, I couldn't understand the whole Vance bit where he's like, he seemed to take the, the Tarka um, uh, betrayal like very like personally, and he seemed a little like... Was this off last his, week? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess so. But, but what I'm trying to say is that he, he, it, it, he's always been like um, a figure of poise and control. And, and then mm-hmm. he had like these weak moments and didn't really expect it, so... Um, I feel, I feel, I feel the writing is like, they're trying new things out a lot and maybe it doesn't sync with the broader audience, but it has a deeper meaning, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, and I, I accept the kind of importance of, of trying to portray what our communities are going through in Star Trek. It's all in Star Trek is at its best is when it asks difficult questions, shows us kind of a mirror to ourselves. So I just, I, I would really like them to focus i think maybe that would be the the thing that we that would make me happier um and um but hey we we're on a ship and the ship's got to go places and and do things so hey let's let's take our ship to dock for a second and have a break we'll be back with more about rubicon are you familiar with the concept expected utility it's a core tenet of game theory a mathematical method to help determine the optimal move in a situation where risk is high and the outcome is unclear. Such analysis can lead to unexpected solutions. Of course, one needs to be clear-headed to make the right move. What are you doing? I'm being clear-headed. No! Captain. They lowered the disruption field. I'm reading a transporter signature. In a massive tachyon search inside the DMA controller. Michael, target beam the weapon into the controller. It'll go off any second. You have to move. Can we do anything? Can we stop it? I do not believe so, Captain. The detonation will stretch half a parsec. We need to go. Not until I know they're safe. The null space bubble will protect the internal power source, not us. We're waiting until they jump. All right, welcome back to Strange New Takes. So. Do y'all know the story behind the name of this episode? I learned it on the ready room. 
Okay. Doesn't it have something to do with uh, Julius Caesar making the decision to cross the Rubicon or something to that effect? Uh, oh, yeah. the general story. I, I thought there was something very specific to track. Like no, what the no, name no. is, but like why it was called Rubicon. Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah. That's what that is what I meant. It yeah. is um, Rudy. Do you know? Do you or do you? Yeah, want me to yeah, share? yeah. Crossing the Rubicon, but definitely go ahead. Okay. Yeah. So Julius Caesar. Um, there's this kind of political back and forth he has with the Senate for, I think it's like five to 10 years. He's off as a governor in Gaul. This is like some of the most famous Roman conquests are under Julius Caesar in Gaul. He's written a book about it. So it's, it's a really interesting book to read, by the way. But while this is happening, he and the Senate are having this more in, increasingly acrimonious back and forth to where essentially the choice Caesar has is to go back to Rome alone to face uh, judgment, which is, and, and, and which, which will inevitably lead him to die because like the Senate at this point really wants to just kill him. They've tried to neuter his power in a few different ways and um, they, they really hate him at this point. So it's kind of a death sentence to go back to Rome alone. However, at this time, there's a very clear law that a Roman general or official or whatever cannot cross back into Italy proper with an army. You cannot bring an army into the, the province. Well, at this point, they weren't provinces, but the, 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 prop, the, the country proper, delineated by the river Rubicon, which there's a modern river Rubicon. People aren't sure if it's the same Rubicon that Caesar crossed, like the rivers change course and come back and go away. So we're not really sure where this happened. But that was that the moment that Caesar um, just threw caution to the wind. And this was the from the moment that he couldn't come back from was when his legion marched across the Rubicon. That's that's why the phrase crossing the Rubicon is our, in our common lexicon. And um, that's what the name of this episode is because apparently we've crossed some sort of Rubicon by blowing up the isolated device, even though double DMA is now, um, you know, maybe species tendency doesn't really care that much. But I mean, it uh, certainly seems that way. They're like, oh, that one broke. Got to send a new one. <laughs> this is exactly what you do, right? If you're like mining a robot broke, you'd be like, oh, send another, another dealie. Um, I guess that that brings us to a point that I think is, is not acknowledged. Now, I, I hope we can have consensus on this one because I think, I think regardless of how we feel about how Michael or Book behaved in this episode, I think it's important to state that A, Discovery's mission failed. And given that everybody said what the stakes of that failure were, nobody seems particularly bothered. Like Saru is yucking it up with Kalber about his like date with Tarina. And you know, there's, there's no acknowledgement that there's been a gigantic failure that puts a lot of lives at risk, which again- it certainly didn't seem stressful at the end, did it? <laughs> no, I mean, not. Like, yeah, go ahead, Rudy. <laughs> Nan said that, well, we tried, let's, let's go, <laughs> right? So um, you're right that there wasn't um, any consequential, I guess in a way it's like, all right, let's move on from here. Um, you know, we really need to get the next one sorted um, and there's no point moping around. So that's again, I feel a strong emotional lesson that is being imparted. Um, I don't know. I... I was going to change topics, so I'm just going to stop there. Sorry. Yeah, I, I, I think I, all, all I'm saying is that, like, again, this is the problem, is that either it was a really scary thing that was essential to stop book, or the failure doesn't matter. You can't have both, um, right? Is that is that acceptable? Like, 
Yeah, I, yeah. I, I feel. I As guess a promise. so. Like the, the, it, it really. I mean, this is this is the thing that bothers me. It's like we keep treating the DMA like it's nothing, and then we treat it like it's really like the worst thing that's ever happened to the universe. And I really wish they just pick one and stick to it. And I guess it's well. I'm sure you're you're exaggerating. So it is a really big bad thing, but it's bad because there's so much crap that's already happening, and the the the, the Alpha Quadrant or whatever the galaxy is trying to rebuild, and then you have this random thing going on. So it's not. I'm I'm trying to not see it as yet another big bad end everything kind of thing. It's just that mm. here's something else that will slow down the recovery from the burn. Right. Um, I don't know. So I actually, I'm just thinking about this more now. So I'm thinking about when they discovered that it was actually a mining tool or whatever. Um, and then they were, it was very, oh, the stakes are really high now because if this is what mm -hmm. their mining tool can do, imagine what their weapons could actually do. Maybe they don't have weapons. Like maybe that's not how, like they jumped to a conclusion that because their mind their mining went this way i mean how many times have we as human beings done really horrible damage mm -hmm. to the planet because mm -hmm. of how we extract minerals or whatever but it doesn't necessarily well <laughs> actually yes it does human <laughs> beings are terrible but i was going <laughs> to necessarily always translate to well that means their weapons are even scarier than their mining equipment sometimes it is the case but i feel that um, when once Michael discovered that there was a week's worth, it would take another week for them, or was it Michael? It was um, uh, Stamets and Zora. Once they right. discovered that um, it was actually going to take another week for, for the DMA to mine the rest of the boramide or whatever it is, mm -hmm. um, that really seemed to decrease the stakes. Mm. Because, um, and I think maybe that's why it didn't, it didn't like hype up this thing to this enormous, you know, oh my gosh, we're all going to be destroyed now because mm, if it's a okay. mining tool, like we just said, if our, you know, if our drill gets stuck, then we just go and replace the drill and then get back to work to keep mining the thing that we were trying to mine, which mm -hmm. it seems to be exactly what species 10C has done. Their mining equipment stopped working and they just went and put new mining equipment in. Um, and so it's not, it's not as scary in that regard because there's still a week's worth of boromite or whatever it's called um, that's left to be mined. So they have, they still have a little bit of time. So I wonder if that could be why the, um, why there was a little bit of a, okay, I think we can breathe. This thing happened, but you know, it didn't, um, it didn't yield what Tarka was hoping for. And it didn't yield a, violent backlash that the federation was fearing and so they're just kind of taking a breath and saying okay well i guess that means we need to go and continue our first contact mission or second contact mission or whatever it is i think the, i think i'm the determined last part to love my star trek y'all no no, no i think oh, the last that's great. <laughs> it's a good point i think the last part that you mentioned is actually a good is is, is an important one it's like if the whatever the dma controller uh, was really, really important to species 10C and, you know, the loss of it would be a big problem. They wouldn't just send it out by itself and let it be, uh, you know, dismantled or slapped around by a much lesser advanced species, right? Mm -hmm. So it was, it was not defended. And then the reason it, it, the fact that it came back up again, 
feels like um they don't they, they didn't even feel a prick right so um I think the other side of it, though, is it it complicates first contact, which was where the stakes were in in the first place, right? Like you're you're trying to communicate with um, somebody you don't have an understanding of in terms of you know their sentiments on harm and protection and all of that. And this goes back to what watching twenty ten yesterday as well. You you, you want to make you want to make gestures that you understand um, as collaborative and and confidence building as opposed to um, unpredictable and and like if if an ant bites you, yeah, it's not gonna kill you. You're gonna like step on the ant. You're not gonna be like, oh, you know, here. I mean, there's people who do that, but in general, people are like, what what happened, right? Mm-hmm. So and and we don't know if the fact that just the DMA came up again, we don't know if it's much better defended now or we'll find out maybe in the next episode or there's some kind of defense mechanisms now who knows so i think that's what the concern was um and and the information that i would take weeks to 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 mine the boronite was more of a hey this will stop book from doing anything as opposed to um you know the stakes are lower if the dma gets destroyed you're right. Nothing's happened yet, right? It's been it's been a few what hours or I don't know. Was it days or hours? I don't know. It was. Yeah, I don't know. But but there's no immediate reaction. Mm-hmm. That's good. But mm-hmm. you're kind of you're you're in an uncontrolled zone now, right? Like you, they could know that you're around, and you don't know if they're going to respond harshly or not. Yeah, I mean, I I think. <laughs> I I it, it's starting to look like species tendency is just so incredibly. Um, advanced advanced that like they don't it doesn't matter what anyone else does it's just kind of like the virus allegory right the virus doesn't really care what happens to to what our opinions are or what we want from it it's just whether we can mitigate the damage um let's not spend too much time on the fact that this there are these world-ending mining devices that have been going around and no one's noticed one until just now but uh, (laughs) Well, maybe I, they've been doing their mining in other galaxies and they just right. now started mining in this galaxy. After, and- after using up the mining elsewhere, they have to now do the one here. Um, it's that caretaker. It's that second caretaker that... Uh- yeah, yeah. this is this is caretaker too. Um, <laughs> well, um, let's, let's talk a little bit about some of the innovative things that this episode did because I think one thing that I was really impressed by is using programmable matter as kind of a defensive construct that was pretty cool like the the thing that envelops the shuttle that was a super tense scene I don't know I like I actually thought someone was gonna die in that scene because I thought you know what they really could kill Bryce or Reese because they've established them enough that it would hurt I didn't think they would kill uh (laughs) they didn't they wouldn't kill Saru or um if it was put, the other person that was on there with it. Oh, oh, they weren't going to kill Colbert, but um, they already killed him once. So, but I, but I go. mean, I really did think there was a chance that one of them wasn't coming back from that at least. And so it was pretty yeah. tense. And I will also say, well, no, well, I'll say that later. If you put, if you put, if you put so many non-Burnham characters in a shuttle, you you know, Star Trek <laughs> fans are always going to be like, yeah, somebody's not coming. It's someone's back. coming. Yeah. Yeah, but that was that was cool. And it was also but it was also the moment when Book 
started to lose his trust in Tarka and realized that that maybe and so it just seemed like he should have there were several points where he should have not allowed Tarka to have as much freedom as he did like, anyway. yeah I mean uh, yeah it's 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 like uh it's like one of those things where you know why didn't book have some defensive constructs of his own somewhere in the ship like he's had this ship for like years as a career he's probably had some unsavory types on there why haven't we uh why hasn't he decided to like install a, a immobilizer or something when someone double crosses him you know <laughs> and so somewhere like i watched uh both the recent episodes back to back um almost back to back and somewhere in my potentially shared disdain for the way it was going I shared disdain with Natch. I actually, you know, radical thought here. I, I started like backing Tarka, just generally like, okay, you, you have a goal, you, you're trying to achieve it. And in my mind, I was like, dude, you're, you're on thin ice there. This book guy is gonna, is gonna, <laughs> is gonna turn on you at any point in time. Why are you like, like not book's perspective, but Tarka's perspective. Why aren't you like, like, taking initiative and why are you waiting for him to have all these like loving conversations he got irritated about it mm -hmm. and then i guess in the end i was like in this construct of backing i was like oh you did it man like you did what you did so where's this other universe of yours and then it's like oh the power source is on the other side i was like but you had this whole model that you were showing off like a few <laughs> episodes before isn't this something that you would have figured out uh -huh. well, the other thing about tarka is um so okay maybe i'm misremembering but mm -hmm. he the whole reason he wants to go back to his universe is because of this deep meaningful relationship he has with this other person <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. why does he not think that book would have that same kind of like that that might be a driving factor for book as well that at some point if you know if he has like like the, is he the only one who's ever loved apparently he is is he like 12 mm. years old and thinks that <laughs> no one has ever loved like i love this person i mean this just he's really immature as far as that goes and not recognizing that that there are other people that have love too and are going to be driven by that as well and it might be might drive them in a different direction than you're wanting them to go um well, but I mean, as we learned with Saru, like age is no factor in terms of how to know how to deal with <laughs> relationships and affection or whatever, you know. Yeah. And bad job on on Vance and Kovac or whoever on doing a psychanalysis on Tarka, right? Like he was, there was yeah. no 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 background of this happening. I don't think they did one on him. They just saw that he was brilliant and could do what they needed him to do. <laughs> just let him go <laughs> yeah that's right when, when discovery showed up post burn uh when, when when it first showed up they like arrested everybody like gave them all these heavy psyche vows <laughs> and all this stuff <laughs> Tarka apparently they were like you know do whatever you want life's good <laughs> well um i i do i i would have been incredibly frustrated if Tarka hadn't done what he did like <laughs> i i think i think I, I think all of the characters' motivations in this episode are very understandable to me. I don't question any of them. Um, I question some decisions, like Vance's decision to let Burnham go or Nan's decision not to 
carry out her mission, especially the way that they were positioning the Barzan as like success at all costs or whatever it was. I forget now exactly what that the Barzan all or was. nothing. Yeah. So it was um but but their motivations made a lot of sense. And I think Tarka choosing to set off the device on his own makes perfect sense, right? Like it's 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 um given everything we know about this man and how he's positioned himself, like of course he would do this. Which is why I don't know why he was still free on the ship. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. Just, there should have been a there should have been a book Tarka showdown much before, and uh, anyone could have won, but it sort of lingered right at the end. Well, and they feel like they were showing some little cracks, but they just didn't delve into it enough because, like, whatever cracks book was starting to notice he just pushed away because he just wanted to destroy this thing that destroyed his planet. You know, it was like, mm-hmm. even though I think he saw some of the signs, he just, you know, it, this was going to get him. It was the ends justify the means kind of thing. It was going to get him what he wanted in the long run. So he was just going to go with it. Um, yeah. And and everybody's lucky that species density wasn't like, Oh, something went wrong with that region. Maybe we should just try somewhere else. They're they're lucky that it came back in the same place. Like the whole Federation's lucky it started in the same place. Otherwise, yeah. <laughs> that's true. They're gonna be like, oh, it seems like this place doesn't work. This soul sector seems like a great place to send a DM in zero zero one. Yeah, yeah. And then everyone on Discovery would like see Earth being destroyed, and their reaction would be, "No, the tree! It's Starfleet Academy." Like, <laughs> so I have this is a different part, but I just have to bring this up. And I don't know, you all probably thought it was dumb because you know whatever Discovery's dumb and you don't like it. But <laughs> I have to say, this is one of the few moments in Discovery where I actually got choked up. Mm-hmm. Was when she told Reese to go ahead and follow not follow Nan's order if she gave the order to fire, and I just thought that was really powerful the way they played that scene. And I just thought, I don't know, it was Sonequa Martin Green. Just the way she delivered that part was just amazing, and I got a little got a little choked up. So she's a good actress. That. She's mm, a great she actress. Is. She really is. Um, let's keep let's keep rolling here because I think we're in the end stretch of our episode, but um. We did get some stunning visuals in this episode as well. There's some beautiful 4K upscales on the Star Trek Discovery subreddit, if you go there, um, where they've taken scenes from this episode and used AI to upscale them up to 4K. Um, Even that shuttle coming up to book ship, the defensive device that envelops the shuttle, the cloak. I mean, these are movie quality visuals. It's incredible. Did did we talk about um, uh, the hide and seek um, spore drive situation? Let's do it now. Yeah, I, I thought I thought that was interesting. I think the show could have done with that a few episodes or even a season or two back, um, you know, and not kept the spore drive as a singular, uh, uh, you know, advantage that disco- the discovery has. Um, it, it was a little dizzying though. Um, you know, it kept seeing stuff mm-hmm. drop and come back up. Um, and, and in one of those instances, it was like discovery predicted where, um, book ship will show up. Like they were exchanging worn, worn off fire, but discovery predicted where book ship will show up. And so it, it took fire before the spore drive switched. And then as soon as it rematerialized, it gave fire back. So that was kind of cool. 
Oh, yeah. That's just, oh, no, no, no. Sorry. You can stick on that, but I'm going to remember something that I wanted to say that I noticed in this episode. Oh, no. I was, oh, the only point I was going to make is just that, um, that it, it's, it's kind of, I think th- that is one area where I was very happy to kind of set aside my, um, kind of incredulity or whatever for, uh, three dimensions and other things. There's a lot of complaints online, like, oh, don't doesn't Discovery know that there's there's three dimensions and the book ship could come from any angle? Yeah, I know. That's fine. They did. I think they showed it in a very compelling way. Both ships like jumping in, jumping out, and it's. I I, I was just ha- thrilled with what I was seeing on screen. I this is not. This is an effect thing that I was actually happy to see. I feel like they do cloaking way more like what cloaking would actually be than the way they've done cloaking in the past in Star Trek. Because in the past, mm. it's just gone. Like, you couldn't see it at all. That's not how cloaking... Cloaking doesn't actually make your ship invisible. Like, it's mm. not like the invisible jet that uh, Wonder Woman flies in. Like, that's not how it works. It's um, It's refracting you know, the way light hits or whatever. So I just thought the cloaking effect on Discovery was pretty cool. Um, and I appreciated that. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's, uh, it's we, we've definitely come a long way since kind of the wavy Romulan ship going invisible in TNG, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so yeah, I liked it for sure as well. Any other final pieces on this episode before we move on to giving it a rating? Any other things that we have missed that y'all would like to discuss? I'm just excited about what I feel is the crux of this entire season is figuring out species 10C. And I hope it is deep and, and meaningful and, and not, not, it can't be a cameo, but it shouldn't be like that generation ship species that we encountered on a planet or something like that a few episodes back. Um, I'm thinking, you know, I'm comparing it to Caretaker, comparing it to 8472, you know, Dominion, uh, looking backwards. No, I'm not comparing to backwards. Uh, <laughs> hoping, hoping that there's there's intrigue and and fear, and I hope they don't turn out to be super nice guys. <laughs> so, like nice guys, like the stereotypical internet nice guys. Species Tensi is just a bunch of dudes wearing fedoras and going <laughs> lady to Burnham <laughs> <laughs> and complaining about friend zones and other lame stuff. <laughs> okay yeah that is a pretty scary prospect actually now i know why that why druan tarka is working so hard against them <laughs> that's the thing ruan tarka couldn't give a damn about species 10c or about True. the dma True. he does not care about it at all well the now only thing he cares about is getting back to his universe like it doesn't matter if billions of people are killed fifty thousand times over he still does not care all he cares about is himself getting back to his parallel True. universe so which which i want to can we can, why haven't we spent an episode on ruan tarka just talking to us about his universe at this point like if this show is all about emotions and like drama and stuff like let's let's find out about the guy can we like let's make that conversation he had with Owo on the casino at the casino into its entirely its own episode so that we like unpack this dude maybe he well, and book have an episode where they're just wandering around the ship assembling the bomb having conversations you know i'm trying to remember did did oh even tell burnham did we see that happen did she tell burnham like there's something going on with this tarka guy like i don't know what it is i can't remember if that conversation was something we saw or no, not we, I, I don't think we saw it in detail but i mean i would expect 
but there's a lot of things that we see in Star Trek where there's not an explicit right. debrief, right? So I just assumed that like, yeah, at some point they talked, you know. But I do. So I just think Tark is a smug bastard, and I have not. I mean, I just want to like wipe that look off his face. But I did feel a small, small, tiny bit of empathy with him when you know he realized that what he did was kind of for naught you know like it didn't matter and he didn't get his power supply the look on his face i was like that's some good acting because mostly that dude that actor i just want to be like oh you just like like such a smug bastard all the time but i felt like he had some good uh uh, vulnerability in that moment and i just thought yeah that's pretty good so under secretary Undersecretary Erin Wright, right, right, right um, exactly. Um, I mean, it's, guess- it's, it's a classic case of like a a, a a man using bravado to like mask deep insecurities and mm-hmm. turmoil, right? Like mm-hmm. he's it, it's it's. I mean, and I, I got to give credit um, over here because it's 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 a very easy needle to get wrong if you, as an actor, decide to. Um, over-index on the evil or over-index on the bravado. And and Sean Doyle, in my opinion, has given us a nuanced performance where Mm -hmm. we don't like him. We can clearly see he's someone who needs to be stopped, but it's not like easy to be like, ah, this dude's motivations are total crap or whatever. Like at at a certain point, you can be like, ah. It's like Ben on Lost. Yeah, sure. Haven't watched it, but I believe it. No, but I mean, like Michael Emerson is a great, does a great job at doing that where he's like, you know, he's not a good guy, but Mm -hmm. he is able to play different layers. I'm I'm sure Michael Emerson is a fine guy. (laughs) I don't mean like the actor, but the character he was playing on Lost, you know, he's not a good guy, but, but Michael Emerson was able to play levels with him where it was just, anyway, you should watch it just for him. It's so good. He was Don't go to the end though. Um, uh, (laughs) But guess what? I was just going to say, Ruan Tarka now needs to be a part of Second Contact because he now needs to ask for help for that power source, which is on the mm. other side of the wormhole inside that uh, whatever yeah. that cage. So he's going to come. He has to come with his tail between his legs and uh, ask for help. And guess what? Internet nice guys, species Tensi will help him out and he'll go back to his universe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, now I'm, I'm, I'm kind of excited for that now because that, that is true because at this point now he needs Starfleet's help. Um, interesting. Very, very interesting. I like it. All right. Let's move on to ratings. Um, I'm going to go first so we get the negativity out of the way first and then we'll, Emily and Rudy all can come in and, and disagree violently. I'm going to give this a 5 on 10. I thought it was perfectly <sighs> mediocre as an episode and I didn't like despise it or anything, but I'm, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a big fan. What was your lowest score ever? Do you remember? No, that was a 4 for the for the first episode of the season, yeah. Yeah, oh, I gave a 4.5 okay. 4. for the casino episode. <laughs> Which I'll give this a little bit better than the casino episode. I'm sorry, oh, y'all. There's there's a positive trend. See, I I went first because I knew I'd be like way low. Like, so I want y'all to come in and change change this up. Well, I'll I'll be the middleman. Um, and and I'll say that I shifted my mindset in this episode and was you know somehow trying to play the you know, construct of backing Tarka, which was interesting to look at this. And I was like, dude, they're going to, they're going to turn on you at any point in time, you have to do this. And and then he did it. And, and so that was a little interesting. And then, yeah, it actually sets up well for the next episode in, in more than one way. Mm-hmm. So as a whole, I would give it, um, I'd move it to a seven. I'd give it a seven. 
All right. So I'm gonna come on. save the podcast, and I'm are you, gonna. Are you? No. no. <laughs> sorry, 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 Emily. Before before you jump in, r- real quick, Rudy, you usually give like seven yeah. something on something else. You didn't pick one. Oh this yeah, time. it's true. It was gonna be the first time, but I'll give it um, seven. Um, isolytic uh, whatever those were out of out of 10. devices devices out of 10 okay all right emily save the podcast save the podcast i'm gonna give it a four out of five i just i thought it was a, i mean i had it was an emotional roller coaster of an episode i was super tense in some parts like wasn't sure exactly how it was going to play out um, had moments where I kind of got a little choked up, like I mentioned, but there were a couple of things that I was like, oh, I felt like you were setting this up for something a little different. And then you didn't, you didn't play that out. Um, and I just felt like they kind of just wanted to throw Nan in there just to have the actor come back for an episode. I feel like there could be more compelling reasons to have her come back. Cause I really think Saru was capable of, of doing what they sent her to do, but on the whole, I'm going to give it a four out of five. Cheers, y'all. Thank you so much, Emily. Thank you, Rudy, for joining me to talk about Star Trek, despite knowing that I can sometimes be a bit of a crank. I, I genuinely do appreciate having y'all come and uh, discuss this. Uh, please never let me and Adam do another episode alone together. <laughs> Bad things happen. At least there was less murder on the last episode than there was the episode before. <laughs> that was a good time. It was a good time. All right. Um, and thank you to Adam, Bill, uh, Max, and Diana Rudy. I've got so used to saying your name and the the, the, the thank you for not being here list <laughs> that you uh, you uh, got included. I'll take all the thank yous. Thank you, Notch. By the yes, way, yes, thank you, yeah, Notch. Of course, no problem. And spe- uh, thank thank you just to go up for recording our theme music. Always appreciate hearing your strumming away. Uh, and and thank you to the special thanks to the double DMA. Like it made me burst out laughing. I was like, it's back. <laughs> <laughs> DMA two, <laughs> electric boogaloo. So we're gonna enjoy <laughs> that. What comes with that next episode? See everybody next week. Bye bye. Bye. Bye.